when we ended up working with Toyota, one of the first rules that we learned was ask why five times. And what, what that helps you to do is get to the root of problems and you'll solve it at a level that's the most cost effective. And it's not the boss's uh, obligation or responsibility to ask why, it's everybody. If your boss changes the configuration of your production line at Toyota, the employee could ask well, why are we doing that, boss? And they'll keep asking to the fifth why. That's what's going to help us revamp our systems and processes that uh, will allow us to endure. And post-COVID, I think we're going to see a lot of new systems and processes. This is Episode 9 with the inspiring, winning leader, Jim Wong. Welcome to Take Command with Paul Gowan. I am a Mustang Marine turned international leadership consultant. Each time we come together, I bring you inspiring people and messages to help you take command of your relationships, your time, and your finances so that you are free to lead the life you want. More than taking action, greater than empowerment, take command of your life. Starting in five, four, three, two, one. Let's go. Colin Powell said, whether you're having setbacks or not, the role of a leader is to always display a winning attitude. And this episode is all about winning attitude leadership at all levels. Jim Wong served the United States Marine Corps as a Mustang Marine officer and is also a Vietnam veteran. As a management consultant for the past 40 years, Jim has been part of and leading a team that uses an interdisciplinary and open systems approach to consult with CEOs and their founders to improve organizational performance and viability as measured by the value and confidence customers place in the firm's products and services, as well as by the firm's attractiveness to shareholders and potential investors. As technology increasingly opened new pathways to global markets, empowering big and small firms alike, Jim and his team worked with existing companies to renew their competitive strategies and with entrepreneurs to accelerate the growth of their startups. Towards this end, Jim and his team continue to redefine business education, helping individuals and firms to renew themselves continuously as an integral component of their competitive edge. Jim's team of former corporate executives and successful entrepreneurs delight in partnering with clients to recruit strategic investors. In this Take Command conversation, Jim talks about the accounting lesson he learned directly from the founder of Sony, how diversity and inclusion move any group forward, and the power of asking why five times. And I asked him how we can improve the treatment for our veterans based on lessons learned from past wars, how to have a conversation with someone that has a differing perspective and where he's seen the role of promoting leadership at all levels, both in and out of uniform. And you will learn the surprising success story around how Jim and his wife turned around a Pizza Hut franchise in Brazil that was losing a million dollars a month when they acquired it. I know you're going to love this one. If you're wanting to promote leadership within your brand or company, then this episode is for you. And if you know someone in your life who has some leadership stagnation and can use a kick in the butt to get it moving again, then send them over this conversation. You can pay it forward by being that hero or that champion in someone's life by sending them this message and say, hey, check out this free interview on the Take Command Conversations podcast. The link is paulgowan.com slash 009. And then even ask them what they got out of this for their life, their relationships, and their business. Hold them accountable start a conversation, send them a couple of tips from this conversation, and whoever this is in your life, whether it's a friend or a family member, a parent, a child, someone in your life that you think you wanna support and hold more accountable to their leadership potential as well. This is a powerful episode, so send the link over to them on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever podcast app you use. Just send it on over to them. I love for you guys to connect and be part of the community within the Take Command Conversations podcast and help each other improve each other's lives. This is what it's all about. So let's jump into today's conversation. 
Hello, everyone. Welcome back to this Take Command conversation. This is going to be a special one. I have my friend, uh, colleague, peer, almost, uh, and fellow Mustang officer from the United States Marine Corps, Jim Wong. Jim, thank you so much for joining me today. That is a great introduction. Take Command couldn't happen at a better time in our history and under the current circumstances. So, always welcome a chance to meet another Mustang Marine. So, Semper Fidelis. Semper Fi. And for those of you who are not familiar with the term Mustang, the Navy and the Marine Corps reserve this term for those people that start out enlisted in their service to our country and then are specially selected to complete their education if they haven't had their college degree yet. Um, and then they receive a full full unrestricted commission to continue their service in uniform to our country. The Air Force and the Army has a couple other terms, but Mustang is unique to the Navy and the Marine Corps. And some rough math I did while I was in uniform was we comprise about 1% of the Marine Corps. Have you had a similar figure? Have you ever crunched the math on that? Yeah, during my dad's time, we're talking World War II, there were many more Mustang officers just because when you shipped off the war, uh, say to Europe or to Asia, you didn't come back after one year. We had the luxury of having planes and ships. In World War II, my dad used to chide me. It's like, when we got sent, we stayed until the end of the war or we got shipped back because we were medevac. Very different times. I, I know yeah. one of my mentors uh, growing up in Montana, uh, he was part of the Walking Dead uh, Vietnam oh, vet. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And oh. he talked about taking the, the, the slow boat across the Pacific to go to Vietnam and then being able to fly home. And he just said, the boat allowed for a transition time. Uh, and you're a Vietnam veteran. Yes. Thank you so yeah. much for your service. Uh, what have you seen? Your, your dad being a World War II veteran, you being a Vietnam veteran, you've continued your service out of uniform since then. Uh, what have you seen in terms of the, the, hu the human involved in the, that war process? What have we done differently and what can we really learn from the past for how to improve the humanity for our, our service members? Yeah, great question. I think that uh, when I entered the Marine Corps, I was a young lad. Um, my family had come to this country when I was nine. And uh, my dad used to regale us with stories of how this country is such a meritocracy. So I had that dream. And of course, I wasn't very good as a student. I, I didn't like school. I ended up after the service, after I developed the discipline, going to some great schools. Uh, but I think what distinguishes the military is that we all enter, whether we enter as enlisted or as officers, all of a sudden our apertures get widened. We all of a sudden see the diversity of this great country. You're mixed in in boot camp with people from the south, the north, the east, the west. And so you get to appreciate their way of thinking, how they grew up. And then we go through boot camp, whether it's 12 weeks or 14 weeks. Uh, we live close to each other. We learn the common objective, which is you got to help each other or you don't win. So that's inbred into us. And I think that discipline, that dedication, still propels all veterans, men, or, men and women, regardless of the era they came out of. And that's why you're doing what you're doing, and I'm doing what I'm doing. Uh, at 74, I'm serving four different nonprofits all veteran service organizations because we all believe that each successive generation has to be better than the last. 
And we have, through history, proved that in the military. We're a very small part of the American population, but we're a large part of the history of preserving America's democracy and the institutions that uh, have uh, kept us a free country. So mm -hmm. those you know, parts of the, that history, I think, uh, continues to help us to be leaders, even when we take our uniforms off. Like right now, we're doing everything we can to preserve the economy. And uh, we're under siege by an enemy that's hard to fight. It's indiscriminate. It hits everybody, every sex, every age, and every persuasion. So we're up against a potent enemy. If we stand together, we'll win. And, and the enemy you're speaking of, depending on when you're listening to this conversation, is COVID-19. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Just imagine just a couple months ago, we were all learning and now we're in it. Uh, mm -hmm. Businesses have shuttered. People have lost their jobs. People have changed their jobs, changed their outlook. And so going through that experience, to, to me, it's going back to my days in school. Uh, if you take carbon, you know, except for oxygen, carbon is the second most uh, abundant element in our bodies. If you put carbon under pressure, what do you get? You get diamonds. Diamonds. Yeah. So that's what makes the military so good. We're always under pressure. Even in training, mm -hmm. we're subjected to the pressure. I think that going back to my boot camp days, going through San Diego, Marine Corps Recruit Depot, uh, I still remember the three drone instructors' names, Russell, Watson, and Stangaroni. You had a Russell? <laughs> yeah. I, I had a Russell. <laughs> yeah. I were a Russell, young sergeant. Yeah. With two sergeants and a gunnery sergeant. Oh, wow. And what they, what they taught us is that boot camp is so tough that you become instinctive. They train all of us, doesn't matter which service. In the military, we train people until they can't fail. It's almost to the point of when you're in combat, you think, I've been through this before. It's instinctive, and that's how you respond. Well, that takes a lot of training takes a lot of understanding what the big game is. So I, I think, Paul, now's our time. Now's our time to shine. Doesn't matter what age you are, do something to help assert your leadership. That's what this country needs right now. Doesn't mm -hmm. matter what party you belong to or no party. And I love how you're rise up. Yeah, the, the leadership piece was so crucial. And I love that your, your dad was World War II, you're Vietnam, uh, I served in Afghanistan, and there's these common themes across the generations. One of the things that I received from the Marines before me was this concept of leadership at all levels. And that comes with an innovation, uh, invention, and then judgment. I, I can't tell you how many times I was told, great initiative, terrible judgment. Because maybe there was like the way I delivered it or the timing or the, the general direction. But that innovation, especially in the early days of my career, was really rewarded. Uh, what have you seen for leadership at all levels, both in uniform and out of uniform? Well, I remember... Uh going to Vietnam and landing in Da Nang and being under a rocket attack when we were landing. And the crew chief looked as calm as could be. And I'm 
that's my first day in battle. And I thought, oh my gosh, we're in combat. And so you learn to trust the people who've been there because they've learned. And also as an officer, you have to learn from your enlisted, especially the NCOs, because there's no exclusivity to who learns the most important lesson. Those in combat learn important lessons. So you have a sergeant who's been there a year and you're a young second lieutenant showing up on the scene. You better listen to that sergeant. He's gonna ensure you go home in one piece. And so um, I think that kind of uh, life lesson helps us when we run companies that good ideas don't come from just one level. Good ideas come from all levels. And you have to be able to appreciate no matter where the ideas come from, and you have to tolerate uh, differences in thinking. I mean, the most disruptive ideas usually come from people who are uh, considered not with the system. Well, that gives them the freedom to come up with solutions that maybe the mainstream doesn't. So that's part of the richness in our fabric. I mean, I, I was the recruiter, you can, you can tell that <laughs> I can. I'm getting ready to sign up again. <laughs> <laughs> My job was to recruit people to be second lieutenants, and so, uh, but it's it's not telling war stories, although they're very convincing. It's allowing people to enter an organization that can help fulfill their dreams because one thing we can guarantee you is challenge Absolutely. and so with with that challenge comes a lot of uh, wisdom that they can't take that away from you whether you spent four years in the service or 40 years that wisdom stays with you and i always joke with people especially if they're younger that everything in life is just another rehearsal. And uh, we've now been at war for about 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of our young service members are coming out. And um, about a quarter of them say they want to start businesses. And if we give them the right business acumen, give them the right uh, business lessons. There's never been a better time for uh, funding, even though this country is going through huge turmoil with people getting laid off and unemployment numbers. I think we have 40 million Americans who have filed for unemployment. Huge number. That's higher that's almost 30%. That's higher than uh, the worst years of the depression. So we're in dangerous times. Um, so we want people to go into business. There's going to be huge pent up demand. Uh, I can't wait to go sit in a restaurant. <laughs> I really miss that. So yeah. now is the time. It looks like the states are reopening. Yeah. And, uh, but you have to do it smartly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to think through, um, if I'm going to take advantage of the pent up demand, people want to get a good pizza or want to go out and have a steak. What is it going to take to appeal to them to win them back or to win new customers? And so, Great lessons to have. Just you know, everybody's put back into that startup mode because that's exactly where where we're we're in. Roll up the and sleeves so, and get scrappy. That, absolutely. Well, that's what uh, we learned in the military. 
Yeah. When the first time that bullet whizzes by your ear, uh, you're thinking like, yeah. oh my gosh, what do I do now? Yeah. All of those opportunities to rehearse, uh, even if it's the, the drill instructor yelling at you. Uh, and we've got some people that, that listen to these conversations that they haven't served in uniform. And I'd like you to share a time where maybe you wouldn't have regarded it as a failure, but maybe somebody else looking in saw, oh man, that, that, that you kind of failed there. And maybe you even were, were tempted to throw in, a, throw in the towel and just say, you know what, this isn't it. And yet you, you looked to your past. You said, you know what, I've, I've experienced something similar or maybe the exact thing. Mm-hmm. And because of what I've learned, I know I can take command of the situation. I know I can change the course that I am headed in or this project is headed or maybe even this relationship. What was a time where you were just knocked on your butt and you got back yeah. up? Well, that brings me back to the year that uh, my wife and I and a couple of partners decided to buy a Pizza Hut franchise in Brazil that was losing a million dollars a month. And the month that we took over, the currency devalued in half. So it's bad news on bad news. And so, but that doesn't mean you're losing now a half a mil. That means it, it's like a very, very complex problem at that point. Because people were scared, and um, before we took over, people were getting paid every day because hyperinflation was the order of the day Mm. in Brazil, and so people got paid at four o'clock so they could rush out and buy groceries before the prices went up again. And so um, by the time we came in, Things were kind of normalized, if you can say that. Uh, And I looked at the business. We made the decision not knowing the currency was going to devalue. So there was a good news, bad news. We were losing less American dollars. But we were living in Brazil, so it didn't make any difference. And so what do you do? You talk to the people who work with you, the people who are local and ask them for advice. And um, as franchisees, we are required to spend X percent of our money on advertising. And given that Sao Paulo has about 20 million uh, in population, we also learned that there are 6,500 pizzerias. And so how do you compete in that big, big uh, country, uh, biggest franchise market, I believe, in the world, 20 million people. Yeah. So one of the things that uh, I had to relearn is the troops can have really great ideas because they know the terrain, they know the culture. Peter Drucker said, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And so you need both. So the culture was, okay, understand the people who live there because they've seen the worst and we're coming in from the U.S. So instead of advertising on TV, which is very expensive, plus when you advertise on TV, you're actually making people hungry for for pizza, any kind of pizza. And when we have 19 Pizza Huts and there are 6,500 in that one city alone, yeah, um, that's probably not the wisest way you're, to spend You're it. a drop in the bucket. A drop in the bucket. So the idea that came from the, the team was we're trying to appeal to the, the person, the consumer with the most discretionary income, namely the teenager. Mm. Still living at home, getting an allowance, parents are paying tuition, they go out on a date, and they have pocket money. And so how do you attract them? Well, the idea was, let's send free large pizzas to the disc jockeys on those radio stations 
that cater to that demographic. That was a brilliant idea. So the disc jockey on the air would say, wow, what a great pizza. And, you know, of course, on top of the box is Pizza Hut. So, uh, so these are things that you learn when things are going south. Pause and think and figure out, okay, it's not the end of the world. What's the wise thing to do that's got some legs to it? And once you come up with one idea, that spawns hundreds of other ideas. And that's what happened. We became the most profitable uh, franchise in the world in a few years because our base was so low. It was easy to do that. And so if you take care of morale, people take care of the business. So for those who are reopening their stores, I, I know a lot of small businesses are in food service, hospitality, personal care. I'm talking restaurants, hair salons, and hotels. Um, pretend that you're appealing to that customer for the first time. How would you do it? Well, pretend you're in a startup business because that's what you're doing. You're going back and restarting your business. So reimagine the things you can do. So that's what we're teaching people in our webinars. Like, don't forget that you're dealing with humans and humans are at the core of change. You can have the best systems and policies, but it takes human beings to enact them, to execute against them. So if we keep that in mind, that's how we're going to prevail in America. It comes back to all of us, each of us working together. And uh, there's an old African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. We need to link arms in this country, listen to each other, listen to those great ideas that may be foreign to you, and um, weigh those ideas and attack problems that way. And we'll go far. Attack the problems, maybe even the policies but not each other, not the people. Absolutely, yeah. It's our individual differences that's part of our strength. Um, I worked for Toyota when after the service, I joined General Motors as a turnaround guy. And even though we were fortune number one, we were the biggest corporation in the world, we were getting beaten by Toyota, Honda, Mitsubishi, uh, and Nissan. And so when we ended up working with Toyota, one of the first rules that we learned was ask why five times. And what, what that helps you to do is don't just stop at that first why. Keep asking why and you'll get to the root of problems and you'll solve it at a level that's the most cost effective. So it seemed like really easy to ask why. Uh, and it's not the boss's uh, obligation or responsibility to ask why. It's everybody's. Like if your boss changes the configuration of your production line at Toyota, the employee could ask, well, why are we doing that, boss? And they'll keep asking to the fifth why. And that's what's going to help us revamp our systems and processes that uh, will allow us to endure. And post-COVID, I think we're going to see a lot of new systems and processes. So I'm sounding like a soap. I'm on a soapbox. But I, I, I'm <laughs> loving this. I, I, I'm taking notes <laughs> as, uh, as I'm cycling the camera back and forth because in the, in the military, at least by doctrine, because I saw a shift in my career during this was asking why. And I remember just getting read the riot act at multiple ranks uh, along the way for asking why too much. And I'm like, the thing that I promised my Marines was 99.9% .9 of the time, my goal is to deliver the why in what I'm asking you to do or telling you what to do. 
Yeah. And, and, and that's that, so that part of the statement. So if you're listening to this for the first time, you ask your employees or tell your, you direct them. And then yeah. you give the, so that for that higher order, uh, uh task to yeah. be accomplished. Right. Yeah. That, I, I think that, um, the military is all about action research. You do something, find out what happened and either redirect fire. I mean, if you're in combat and, uh, keep changing ability to change uh, it's, it's going to sound a little bit like darwinism but it is those with the ability to change will survive there are businesses that are actually thriving we're working with uh, quite a few businesses that are hiring employees and that are growing revenue why because they asked the five whys and they realized that um, Demand doesn't stop just because people have to shelter indoors. Uh, you still need toothpaste. You still need food. You still need essential services. And people still need, they have a social need. We're human beings. So with the travel restrictions lifted, we're going we're gonna to be seeing each other again. And those are new markets. So. It's a great time to test your leadership and management abilities. And um, I think they're going to be better managers as a result of going through COVID-19. It, it's a really great opportunity to gain those efficiencies. And like you were saying, the five whys, it, it's going to be increased profit. It also might be an increased time efficiency. So you can not be working 25 hours in a day. You can go spend time with yeah. your family. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I remember going to Japan and meeting Akio uh, Morita, who was the founder of Sony. and. Um, he knew that I had gone to uh, Ivy League schools and asked me, I, th I think it was a trick question. He asked me, so what is the basic tenet of accounting? So I thought, okay, this guy's asking me a trick question. So I came up with, uh, I believe is revenue minus cost equals profits which is financial accounting 101. And he said, no, it doesn't seem to be true because if you look at Silicon Valley, where I live, they don't follow that formula. So after lots of cups of tea, uh, I think Akil Morita led, led me to the realization that entrepreneurs use a different formula because most of the people in Silicon Valley are entrepreneurs. They have that different ethos. So the formula is revenue minus targeted profits equals allowable cost. And it's the commutative law of mathematics. In other words, you can switch things on uh, each side of the equal sign and the formula stays the same. Oh, that's what he did. And so I actually brought that back to the US and in a big company, General Motors, I said, you know, we, we should think about this. Revenue minus targeted profits equals allowable cost. Uh, so there are many variables that everybody, hourly employees all the way to the general manager, can um, effectively change. But we need to keep sacred the target, which is targeted profits. And if we do that, we'll survive. But you can grow more revenue. Mm -hmm. You can do more with less mm -hmm. or the allowable cost. So it's not as purely theoretical as it might sound. It's really, I mean, there's nothing so practical as a good theory. And yeah. so that's, that's a new paradigm. I love it. I love it. I want to I wanna go back to a thing we were talking about for boot camp and that unifying factor between Marines forged in those stressful environments. Because right now, across the world, although we're all being affected differently, this is stressful times. 
to create a conversation with a fellow recruit or a fellow Marine uh, in a fighting hole at four in the morning. Uh, Jim, I took a class. Have you ever noticed this? That right as the sun's coming up, the temperature exponentially drops. I took a weather class yeah. in college just to find out about why. Like I, th- I figured it was just kind of like trickle off. No, no, no. Right before sunrise, it gets exponentially colder. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the time that I'd wake up my battle buddy and I'd be like, we got to talk about something. I'm freezing. I'm about to fall asleep. <laughs> yeah. And in that, that shared suffering created a great authenticity for conversation. Yeah. For people who haven't had access to that fight and hold, have mm-hmm. access to that early morning watch right as the sun's getting ready to come up, what would you say are three steps for how to orchestrate a conversation with someone that's going through these stressful times, especially if you think that person might have a different perspective politically or maybe a different perspective that you want to learn from, what would be like three steps that you could share for how to have that conversation? I think the first question that binds everybody is, why are we doing this? (laughs) In other words, yeah. How do how do we how do we expect to come out of this? Are we going to be still alive? Are we going to go home in one piece? What's the future look like for you? Uh, something that I've I've reread a lot of books from the past. One is Viktor Frankl, who wrote the the book. I think he wrote it in his head while he was in a concentration camp. So this is uh, in Germany, he being a Jew, but he was a psychiatrist, uh, older, and he managed to stay alive. And at the end of the war, he wrote the book, Man's Search for Meaning. He kept asking himself, what am I supposed to learn out of this? And can I picture the future. And so one of the most famous quotes by Viktor Frankl, which I use all the time from his book In Search of Meaning, uh, is it's a peculiarity of man that he can live only by looking to the future. And that is his salvation. That's Viktor Frankl. So he did live, survive the concentration camp. He did go to that nice, clean lecture hall to talk about man's search for meaning. And so um, going through the Holocaust probably is the toughest experience man can go through because it's demeaning. You're being discriminated against because of what you stand for. And your religious beliefs, your principles. And so I I think that we're not going through a concentration camp, uh, but we're going through a period of deprivation that forces us to think through what do we value in life and what does the future hold for me, for my children, and for those around me, and makes people prioritize well, let's keep the targets that are important and dear to us in front of us. And let's not get caught up in useless debate and waste a lot of time because we're all trying to survive and help each other survive. So let's do more listening than talking. Let's make sure that Uh, Many people before us, from our framers to now, created this country. It's an unusual country, unusual government system, and we have persisted. We are the world's economic power, but we can lose it, too. There are many countries that would love to incite and create chaos for us, to make us dismember ourselves by segment, population segments, by creed, by color, by whatever. Let's not let that happen. Let's make sure that really 
we need to look at ourselves and admit that the enemy is us. We need to have our minds, our mindset poised on, let's not let COVID-19 dictate how we live. Let's combat the enemy, which is keep everybody safe, keep our eyes focused on those systems and processes. I mean, the government uh, handed out relief funding quite a bit. So the government has used both monetary policy and fiscal policies. And uh, monetary policy is uh, making sure that the Fed funds rate right now at zero, never mm -hmm. been a better time to have access to capital. It's really cheap capital. Mm -hmm. And the fiscal policies are the relief funding, the Paycheck Protection Program, the CARES Act, and uh, injecting money into government programs that keep people at work. Uh, so I think we learned a lot from the Great Depression uh, as a government to put in the systems and processes that will help us weather the turmoil that we're undergoing. Uh, we're by no means perfect. I think what we're seeing is that the Paycheck Protection Program was quickly administered, billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, and it tended to go towards those small businesses that uh, had, where the owner had the most financial acumen, where he was, the, he or she was the most prepared to furnish the financial documents to obtain the funding. Uh, so probably a lot of small businesses did not get that funding. And so they're gonna suffer the most. I think a lot of uh, minority-owned businesses are smaller. And so mm -hmm. we're gonna see some disparities, inequities, but hey, um, I think for the government to dispense that kind of money in such a short time, they did well. Instead of complaining and thinking about who you're going to sue, mm -hmm. uh, think about, okay, that was supposed, that was designed to be relief money, not forever. Uh, so for the eight weeks that you can get the Paycheck Protection Program, take advantage of it. Don't lay off your employees. Uh, talk to them, ask them, what do you think we should be doing as a business? And, you know, as we all know, rally the troops. Um, start that schoolboy circle that we're so used to from boot camp. Yeah. And that's how we're going to benefit. So I'm actually very optimistic that uh, this country will prevail because we're imbued with so much history and lessons that our forefathers learned. Mm -hmm. I didn't come to this country until I was nine, uh, but my family was attracted to come here because the principles that um, are at the base of this government is a meritocracy. So if you want to put forth the effort, you might fight extra obstacles because you're a person of color, like I was. Uh, you live in the wrong neighborhood. You didn't have access to schooling like you should have, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, we, we got to say, okay, that's behind us. Now let's look at what's ahead of us and, and help each other. And in some ways, you're not an exception to the rule for what you're, what you're saying. You're, you are the meritocracy. You're saying... If you put in the effort, uh, and you've yeah. been so humble, I'm, I, I want to address this. The Ivy League school, one of them that you graduated from was MIT. Yeah, yep. Uh, so when you were willing to put in the work and have the conversations and build the relationships and then put in the, put in the follow through for your dreams, put in that action and follow yeah. through. Well, I, I learned that lesson very well. I worked for General Went, uh, uh, Joe Went, who's in his 90s one of my best bosses, but also one of my toughest bosses, who jokingly said to me one day, because I was on the general staff, 
and uh, felt like I was constantly being tasked to do things. <laughs> and uh, so I think I complained. And he said, Wong, what you can't get done in a 24-hour day, do it at night. So, wow. <laughs> like, okay. Wow. Find the efficiencies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my and, goodness. And that doesn't seem logical. There's only 24 hours in a day. But right. the lesson is I you know, went to MIT, and I wasn't the smartest kid there. Uh, but I worked doubly hard. And uh, so and I cross-registered at Harvard because there are three schools that are sister schools, Wellesley, MIT, and Harvard. And so everybody had to study hard. I mean, I was probably one of the nerdiest guys around. I didn't have time to read the newspaper. I'm having trouble just reading all the class material that I, that I needed to. So I didn't look like an idiot in front of the professor. Uh, I also had the confidence that if anybody can figure it out, I can figure it out. And nothing to do with IQ. It might yeah. help, but if you put forth the effort and you put forth the time, you will, you will accomplish more than anybody else. And so that's what binds this country together, and that's what makes us so great. I, I'm so excited to have you on. I know that we could we could talk for three four hours. We could do an entire night shift on the on the guns together <laughs> in a fighting hole. Yeah. And we have different ways that we're serving now out of uniform. Uh, you've got several veteran service organizations that are focused on serving the vets, the military yeah. spouses, the entire family. And as we were talking about before we hit record, you've got a, a, a cradle to grave concept for the veteran. T tell us about that real quick. Well, starting when uh, people are still in uniform, I belong to a nonprofit headquartered in San Diego called National Veterans Transition Services, most popularly known as Reboot. We take people through a three-week reboot workshop. It's, it's a reverse boot camp. And uh, so what we're trying to do is undo some of the uh, indoctrination that was done so well in military boot camp. So we learned that we um, were resilient in the military. We help people take that resiliency, redefine it so that they can go to work and go start a business. Uh, and we take both the service member and the spouse, and it's free. Uh, everything we do is free. So that's where I start, and we go in on basis and do the orientations, the pre-separation orientation, which is mandated by law. And uh, we start to ask people, what do you want to do when you get out? And because precept can take place up to two years before uh, the service member is discharged, we want to plant the seed. So that's the first one. The, the, the second one is what about the spouses? So the Rosie Network, founded by Stephanie Brown, good friend, uh, wife of Rear Admiral uh, Tom Brown, Navy SEAL, she takes the military spouses, and she was herself a military spouse, for many, many decades, and say, okay, about half of you were self-employed when your spouse was in the military, in this case, mostly husbands. So let's use that skill. Let's use that skill because that's entrepreneurship. Let's polish it up. Let's help you now that uh, your, you know, your husband or your spouse is out of the military. It doesn't matter if it's four years or 40 years. Let's turn that skill into a bigger piece of pie. And so uh, I'm biased. Women tend to make better entrepreneurs uh, who come out of the military family because they've been at it for longer. Uh, so the third thing is if 
you start a business and about 25% of our transitioning veterans uh, say they want to start a business. But when you ask them, when we ask them, well, what do you want to do? They typically say, uh, I don't know. Help me with it. So we do. And so the Rosie Network has boot camps that they take people through. Uh, service to CEOs, one of the programs. The biggest hurdle that people face is getting money. Access to capital is really tough. So the third organization, nonprofit that I'm part of, and we've been around 41 years, is Main Street Launch, Veteran Launch. Veteran Launch is a program underneath Main Street Launch which is a community development financial institution, a CDFI, written into law by President Clinton in 1994. And the target, and we all report to and chartered by the Department of the Treasury, our target is people of low to moderate income, so a lot of minorities, and people of color. Those are our two big targets. Veteran Launch is a program that we run that particularly aims at veterans and military spouse entrepreneurs. And we give them access to up to a quarter million dollars. For us, that's a micro loan. And we work closely with the SBA that guarantees those loans. And right now, Thanks to the SBA, our borrowers are getting six months worth of free monthly debt service, meaning the SBA picked up uh, the loan repayment covering principal interest and fees. So that's given us time to reposition our companies. And so that's the third. The fourth one is uh, in Chicago. So the, those first three are in California. The, the fourth one is a Chicago-based company, uh, and the CEO and co-founder is a boot camp buddy, buddy uh, Lynn Lauder. He and I went to a boot camp together. We both graduated at the top of our platoons, and except he's six foot five, I'm five foot six. So Lynn Lauder went to Vietnam the year after me, because I went as an NCO, he went as a six foot five recon Marine second lieutenant. And I, I don't know how you like hide at six foot five. I'm, I'm <laughs> six foot three and it was hard enough to fold myself into thirds. He had to just like roll himself <laughs> up to hide, I'm guessing. Well, he, uh, as an NCO, you know, we used to joke about all these butter bars, uh, second lieutenants who would come on the station, he ended up getting the Silver Star, the Bronze Star, and the Purple Heart. So uh, thank God he survived because he and I are as closest ever. We're like brothers. So we take the owners of a lot of these veteran-owned companies. There are 2.5 million veteran-owned companies in America, half of the owners are 73 and above. So I'm 74, Lynn is 74, so we fit that category, but there are older ones. We're helping people in their 80s who haven't developed the succession plan. So we started an engine called V-Harmony, a takeoff on E-Harmony, the dating app. So V-Harmony matches old with new. So the new could be a 40-year-old military spouse or a veteran who, uh, instead of starting a brand new business with all the risks, uh, can take over an existing profitable business. Well, with half the 2.5 million businesses with owners who are 73 and above, this is the perfect time to step in and say, okay, guy, uh, you want to retire? Uh, I'm here. I'm Teach here. me everything. Teach yeah. me everything you know. And then you go to Main Street Launch or the CDFIs and ask for money. It's much easier to get a loan if you're running a profitable, sustainable business proven over time. So that's why I think it's the worst of times and it's the best of times. It's a tale of two cities. Uh, so. Um, the best of time is that 
you can take over a lot of businesses because these veteran-owned businesses employ over 5 million employees, most of whom are fellow veterans and military spouses. And this group generates over $1 trillion in annual revenue, or actually annual receipt, slight difference, and um, have $195 billion annual payroll. We can't let that Holy go Holy smokes. And, I know. And, and I love this because we can look across our military service even though we're separated by a generation and we can look at all these different occasions and say, well, that sucked or that was such an amazing opportunity. And it's yeah. the same event. Uh, so we got reboot yeah. the Rosie network veteran launch V harmony, the matchmaker here. <laughs> yeah. uh, and if you are not a veteran listening to this, grab that veteran, grab that active duty service member orient them to these veteran service organizations for the, the service member vet, uh, the, the family, the spouse. And if you want to uh, connect with Jim and find out how you can get involved, veteran or not, uh, yeah. you've got every possible way to connect with you. Why don't you mention yeah. that? <laughs> well, if you're not a veteran, but you own a business and you want to retire, guess what? We'll find you a veteran to take over your business. and if it's a service-disabled veteran, and there are many who qualify, we can help you get some set-aside government contracts. Now, it doesn't get any better than that because as service-disabled uh, veterans, we get 5% of all federal contracts and state contracts. So, um, so it, you know, lean on veterans. We'll help you. Well, if you're a civilian, but you grew a nice business, whether it's doing 10 million or a million, we can put a veteran or military spouse in place uh, who've got the discipline and who've got the dedication and we'll make it work. So it's a good partnership. I love it. And people can connect with you then to, to find out how they can be involved with this on uh, LinkedIn, email, phone, snail mail, carrier pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> like you've got, you're opening yourself up the, the most possible ways so you can be accessible, so you can increase your service. Yeah, I, that's part of what, I mean, you're doing it, Paul, as part of this Take Command. I'm doing my version of Take Command by saying there's hope. There's a lot of hope. As long as we're healthy, so everybody's got to stay safe, wear masks, don't congregate in large numbers, and let's get through this COVID-19, and let's start planting the seeds now for the economy to be better. There's, I think there's plenty of data to show that a lot of the jobs were going to go away anyway. Now, the government hasn't pumped a lot of money into academia, but I believe that it will. This, this is a good time to retrain yourself. Go take a few courses. We have lots of courses that we offer in business, uh, but there are jobs are plenty uh, where I live, uh, Silicon Valley, in cybersecurity. We have a nonprofit run by a good friend of mine called NPower. And they provide free IT training and certification. And there's probably five jobs for every graduate. Uh, and this is nationwide. Uh, so if you have uh, any kind of computer background, but you need more training, look up N Power, N the letter, like November, power.org. And there's another organization. We're ready to help. They're running classes remotely. So, you know, I'm, I joke with people that I never even heard of Zoom until recently. Yeah. But started by an immigrant. So, I mean, thank God for uh, what makes this country, because we're all immigrants if we're you go back immigrants. in the century. Yeah. We're all immigrants. We all come from Africa. Uh, and thank God we've got the science to prove it. <laughs> we we yeah. are cousins. Uh, yeah, yeah, and we'll put all of the links for all of the ways that you are serving and the ways to connect with you and contact you. I'll have those in the show notes. Uh, 
Jim, I've got a, a, a couple final questions for you here. Um, the first one was asked of a combat veteran a few hundred years ago. Uh, yeah. And I'd like to get your answer to this question. This, this veteran was asked, if you found out that today was your last day, what would you do? And let's say tomorrow morning, like if you find out you get a little memo at the door and you've got tomorrow as your last day to live, what would you do? Uh, <laughs> that's a tough question. What time of the day <laughs> am I going to die tomorrow? <laughs> um, let's say midnight zero one, you get the notification and <laughs> at midnight you're gone. You've got 23 hours and 59 minutes to go. I, I, I'm going to quote from a communist, uh, Leon Trotsky, who said, we only die when we don't live on in others. So I'm not going to die because I passed the baton on to so many people that, okay, if God says my time is up, there are going to be plenty of people who are after the same objectives as I, and they'll carry on. So um, they'll They'll come to my funeral remotely. <laughs> we'll have a giant Zoom party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, life is to be celebrated. You know, do everything you can while you're alive so that uh, you, know, you know that you made a difference. And that's all God intended. I love that. Uh, Jim, I want to acknowledge you. Connected with you on LinkedIn a little while ago, have a, a couple like exchanges. And then I reached out and I said, hey, I want to have a conversation with you that I can share with the world. And you were so on board. I took over a page of notes the first time we spoke. I've, <laughs> I've got a solid page as I'm, I'm doing everything to run this recording. And I'm, I'm learning so much from you. You are a lifelong oh. learner in service to others. Like you've continued your service out of uniform. And I, I want to acknowledge you for that. I, I appreciate that. I do want to leave one other uh, I'm going to quote somebody else since we're coming up on Juneteenth in uh, three days. Uh, I'm going to quote uh, the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. who said, only in the darkness can we see the stars. So we've entered a little bit of darkness because of COVID-19. But it's only in that darkness that we can see the stars. So the leaders in all of us, the leadership, we need to, it's time to blossom. Uh, it doesn't matter how old you are and uh, it doesn't matter where you are. Let's exercise our right and help each other out. And let's do more listening than talking because there's been a lot of talking, not enough listening. And we'll all prevail and we can all celebrate later. Instead yeah. of having pro protests, maybe we'll have one giant celebration. Yeah, absolutely. And I think about, uh, and I think I shared this with you, one of my goals is to go sail around the world on a mission of peace. Yeah, uh, lovely. And if we, we go to the, uh, to the ancient wisdom of sailors throughout ages, with the ages, I think you can navigate better with the yeah. stars than you can in, in the bright day. Yeah, absolutely. So the tried and true uh, probably need to be tested a little bit, uh, but that's easy to do. Uh, but at the same time, I think we need to innovate. We need to make sure that the future generation, the generation that comes after us, our children, have the same opportunities that have been accorded to us and so that's a way to leave a legacy. Let's, let's protect this great nation. I adopted this country when I was nine, and uh, I served in the armed forces. And it doesn't matter whether you served or not. Um, we're, we're part of what makes this country great. And if we all contribute with our differences, uh, and everybody listens, then we'll come out of this. I, I feel like we are an interwoven tapestry in this country. And thank yeah. God we're different because that's what makes it so beautiful. If you, if you wove a tapestry with the same color thread, 
mean, it mm-hmm. would probably be some modern art, but it would, <laughs> <laughs> for yeah. me, it wouldn't be nearly as beautiful. And I just, I really appreciate everything yeah. you've done to be one of those threads in the tapestry of this great nation and really taught people how to, to weave their future, weave the tapestry yeah. of their dreams and then go after it. Uh, yeah. I, I know I have so much more to learn from you. Uh, we're out of time for today. So I have the, the final question for you. Yeah. Jim, what is your definition of take command? Uh, seize the moment, understand all the circumstances and make something happen. Do something. Don't sit around. Uh, you might end up being proved to be wrong, but at least you did something. And just like I said earlier, everything in life that we do is another rehearsal. We keep getting better and better and better. And um, so take charge. Do something. There it is. Ladies and gentlemen, Jim Wong. Thank you so much and Simplify, brother. Hey, Simplify. Oh, my gosh. I hope you really enjoyed this conversation with Jim. You know, we got connected and the amount of learning and mentoring and just willingness to serve that he has within his soul is just inspiring. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it with a friend, paulgowan.com slash 009. Text one friend right now. Be that hero, be that giver, be that champion. Share this with whatever podcast app you're using and just say, hey, let me know what you think about this. I really enjoyed this part of the episode and then start that dialogue. Be a giver in your life. Share it over on Instagram and tag me at paul.gowan and make sure that you uh, include Jim as well. I know that he would really appreciate that. I'm so grateful for the people in this world like Jim Wong who want to serve, who want to share what they have learned. Uh, So help me learn. Would you do me a favor? Go and leave me a rating and a comment. Whatever you think about the episode, let me know. Let me know how much this delighted you. And let me know something I can do to improve or something that really stuck out to you. My mission with the Take Command Conversations podcast is to constantly bring the brightest, the smartest, the most experienced individuals from all different walks of life to help you take command of your next level of success in your life, in your relationships, and in your business. You have the power to transform your life and reach that next level. It's up to you to learn the knowledge and the information and then take action. And if you want some help in taking that action, head over to paulgowan.com apply and complete a client application. We're currently taking applications and my team and I are excited to see if you are a good fit for the take command transformation because I know it will help you, especially if you're a CEO or founder of your business and you're wanting to promote leadership at all levels within your brand. I am so grateful for Jim Wong for the leadership and the mentorship that he provides in this conversation. And remember that quote from the beginning, Colin Powell said, whether you're having setbacks or not, the role of a leader is to always display a winning attitude. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, you know what time it is. It's time to take command and carry out the life of your dreams.